This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about five things you may have not known about the cross. That's right. Most Catholics have a crucifix in their house and see one every day. But there's some interesting facts that most Catholics don't know that we're going to share with you today. And why not begin with everything we are all so familiar with, the sign of the cross, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good to be back with you guys for another episode. I'm really excited about this topic. We got some really great things to discuss here, guys. Yeah, it's the mystery of the cross and and how the church encourages us to adore the cross. You know, why would we ever be moved to adoration of the cross? Clearly, the cross has something to express in the Christian faith. Clearly, it has something to express deep down in the in the guttural response to human suffering. So, the cross is that crosshair to look deeply into this mystery. And I look forward to talking more deeply about it. Yeah. So today we're going to go over five really cool things. We're going to talk about what type of wood the cross was made out of, how much the cross weighed, how many relics of the true cross are still in existence, um, some particularities about why Jesus's head tilts a certain way and what the sign on the cross means and so much more. Now, but before we get into those five things, Father Rich, why don't you tell everyone how they can subscribe to us and learn more about what we're doing? Well, if you're on YouTube right now, don't miss the opportunity to click the subscribe button and click the little bell next to the subscribe button. Every time we produce a new video each and every week, you won't miss any content. If you go to www.catholictalkshow.com, you'll see every way that you could listen in and where we're syndicated. We have wonderful relationships around the world with great people who continue to share our content. And we want to thank our patrons and our supporters on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And so many people are sharing the show. And that is, you know, truly a mark of how successful this show has been. Continue to share the content as we share the beauty of our Catholic faith. Now, we can't go any further without giving a big shout out to our patrons. We would not be able to do this show without your financial contribution. If you're considering becoming a supporter of the show, go to www.catholictalkshow.com forward slash Patreon, and you'll see all of the tiers and the ways that you could support us. And we've got some cool content and gear to send your way as well. Awesome. Thank you for that, Father. So I think a good place to start, and the first thing that we're going to share that you didn't know about the cross is where the wood from the cross that Jesus was crucified on came from. Now, this now, is something very interesting that I had no clue about <laughs> until Ryan Shield just shared it with me in preparation for the show, and I think it's going to blow your mind. Yeah, so now there's a lot of pious legends, but the most common um, story that you hear early Christians say, and the legend that sprung up around the tree, is that, well, first of all, 
the true cross is not made from one type of wood. It was actually made from three different types of wood. And traditionally, those were those woods were cedar, pine, and cypress. Now, there's a Trinitarian nature to that, that there's three different types of wood making up the cross. And that would explain the titulum, the piece of wood that said, you know, above his head. The cross beam would have been one type of wood, and the... Um, the, the vertical beam would have been another type of wood. Now, according to the legend, our ancestors fell through Adam and Eve, right? We all know that. And we know that they had two sons, you know, Cain and Abel, right? And Abel got got and Cain got gone, right? So they had a third son, Seth. Now, when Adam and Eve were getting old, nearing their death, they were longing to go back to the garden, and they wanted just a little bit of the oil that would come from the tree of life there to anoint themselves before death. So they sent their third son, Seth. And the angel at the gate, still there after they were expelled, would not let Seth in to get that. But in, his, in God's mercy, he gave Seth three seeds to give to Adam. And those seeds were to be planted with Adam's body when he died in Adam's mouth. And the angel told Seth that, these seeds, because your father's fall came through the fruit of a tree, the seeds that grow from his grave will be the trees that bear the fruit that saves your father. Now, there's a whole kind of circular continuity to that, but those three seeds would have sprung up and they would have been that cedar, pine, and cypress. Now, that's recounted by a lot of early church fathers. It sounds like a pious legend yeah. and kind of a you know, explanation of the three different types of woods and then Trinitarian uh, theology kind of baked in and then also salvific history. But I think that's really important to consider that our fall came from the fruit of a tree, but then also from the fruit of a tree using crucifixion, our redemption was secured. Yeah, and we see God using uh, the physical attributes of the world that he's created um, we've talked about the, the Bethlehem star, um, you know, obviously uh, Christ was baptized in the Jordan. It was the lowest geographical place on, on earth. Um, so, you know, you have a lot of uh, a lot of examples of the mystery of God using the world that he's created to um, give us opportunities to glorify him. And why not? Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he do this on, on the most instrumental, um, uh, you know, action that was taken uh, by God? So, yeah, I mean, that's a, a, a beautiful um, story there. And I, lo I love the cyclical nature of it all. And yeah. it does. I mean, it creates a, a wonderful catechetical delivery of something that that is truly impactful. And the scriptures are packed full of it. And, you know, we've had we've had shows where we've talked about senses of scripture. And, you know, when you think of like the directional uh, purpose of scripture moving us to encounter God and to a certain morality of life, clearly, you know, utilizing, you know, these, these beautiful, you know, expressions of, of catechesis that the fathers clearly use is something that we could kind of resurrect and talk about and, and consider when we think about the cross. And you know, looking looking at these three different types of wood, I love looking at that Trinitarian uh, sense of things like St. Augustine, you know, looking at all of creation in De Trinitate and, and seeing the triune God 
actively creating within a triune structure. Uh, I, I love I love that tie. What a beautiful uh, thank you for sharing that, Ryan Shield. Yeah, there's 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 other variations of that, but that's kind of the most common one that the early Christians would have recounted. Now, the second thing that you probably don't know about the cross, and this is one that I remember as a kid, I had no idea. Uh, and probably a lot of you out there don't. But if you've ever looked at your crucifix right above our Lord's head, there's a little sign and it says I-N-R-I. And every, you know, when we were kids, we're like, we'd ask, I'd ask my grandma, you know, what's Inri? You know, like <laughs> makes no sense. So what that piece of wood above Jesus's head is called the titulus crucem or the title of the cross, basically in Latin. And if you read scripture, when Pilate condemned Jesus to death, he had a sign written and that to be posted above Jesus to say the king of the Jews. Now, the Jews said, we want you to say this. He said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, I have written what I have written. And he was, it was ordered to be written in Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. Now, a lot of people who are proponents of the Latin mass will say that the association of those three languages on the cross, Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, have sanctified them and made them holy, holy languages. That's why the scriptures are in Greek, in Hebrew, and the liturgies in Latin. But regardless of that, so the sign INRI is an anagram. It's short for um, Iesus Nazrenus Rex Idiorum, Jesus yes, Christ, yep. mm -hmm. King yes. of the Jews. Mm -hmm. So now Latin didn't have J's, right? They had an I. You would, it wouldn't be G J E S U S. It would be I E S U S. Mm -hmm. So Jesus Nazarenus Rex Idiorum, Jesus Christ, well Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. That's what I N R I stands and for. And Idiorum, is like you know, like that sense of uh, Judah, you know, like like uh, the Jews, and right. you know. Yeah, it, it's it's it. I get that all the time, especially in the church. It's like, what is that? What does that stand for? Why did, and not a, what's that, Ryan? I was just, I was just thinking, why did he write that? Why did uh, Pontius Pilate of all people decide to 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 write something like that and put it on the cross? Well, it sounds like a mockery to me, you know. Yeah. You know, if you you know if you ever lost your fantasy football league and then they make you wear a shirt that says "I'm a big loser," that's kind of what you know. Pilate was saying, oh, this is the king of the Jews. Well, this is what Romans do to kings, right? There's gotcha. no kings in Rome and we are the power. So it's kind of a, a taunt to other people who would assume or challenge Roman authority. Mm -hmm. Now, an interesting thing is that that relic is still said to exist in a, in a church, uh, Santa Croce in Rome. I don't know if either of you guys have ever been there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been there. I've prayed there, and there, there's uh, there's huge relics of uh, of the for the original cross as well. Yeah, and many and of the torture. Sign yeah, mm -hmm. is there, and wow. um, you know, an interesting thing is that in scripture they have a particular order, right? And, and I, excuse me, I don't have it memorized, but I think in scripture they say that it went Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, or whatever. But on the titulus in Santa Croce, it's in a different order. Now that's a curious thing that if this was a forgery. Any forger would go and look at scripture and say, well, this was the order it was written in. But then the relic itself is in a different order, which kind of lends credence to why would a forger go against what scripture says? Because that would, in most people's mind, debunk it. So it's a pretty interesting little nuance about yeah. the credulity of it. All right. Now, the third thing on our list of things you didn't know about the cross is 
how much the cross actually weighed. Uh, we know from scripture that Christ was forced to carry his cross um, from his condemnation to Golgotha. And, and as we can say how terribly difficult that would have been and that he couldn't do it. And he had a uh, Simon of Cyrene had to be pressed into service. Um, but considering how difficult that was, you guys, Ryan, have any ideas about how much you think it would have weighed or what that would have been yeah, like? I mean, he didn't carry the whole cross, right? Did he just carry the cross beam? You know, no one really knows for sure. Okay. You know, I think in, in passion, my, I think he just carried like the beam or something like that. Right. And he tied it around his wrist. Now, in most traditional art, he'll be carrying the entire cross, right? Okay. Um, but, you know, modern scholarship and kind of common sense says he's probably just carrying the cross beam. Right. Now, there is a, that, a... Go ahead. That would be because the, the vertical um, beam is going to be something that's it's really tall, right? right? I mean, you're going to have to, you know, um, you're going to be executing somebody um, and hanging them and, and, you know, you need a good solid base in the ground. So I would imagine that that may be part of that reasons eyewitnesses or tradition, but also the fact that that initial beam would have to be pretty, pretty large and, un, uh, you know, unavailable for a human to, to carry. I don't know. And then yeah, I, I think of, there's mystics to consider too, and St. Catherine Emmerich and yes. all these different other types of uh, devotional things that have happened throughout the history. It's important to realize that, you know, we don't know absolutely, but it's, it's open for meditation. It's open for prayer. Good and, point. you know, something that initially comes to mind is just the capacity of Jesus and the capacity of his strength, humanly speaking, you know, in carrying the weight of human sinfulness, but also carrying the weight of the cross, which had to have been heavy. I mean, it had to be an immense amount of weight for him to carry so much so that he would have needed assistance, you know, in, in, in realizing that, you know, in his humanity, he was truly losing blood and, and, you know, he, he was hungry, he was starving, he was, he was being persecuted. So spiritually, emotionally, physically, you know, the exhaustion of Jesus carrying the weight of this cross, you know, the way that I've always Im imaged it was the fullness of the cross, which I believe in the, I believe in the, um, in the passion of the Christ of Mel Gibson, it was the full cross. But then in other types of devotional films like Delacrosse was sharing, you know, it was just the cross beam. So you have many different depictions in art, many different depictions in movies, but you know, to meditate on the, the capacity of Jesus and his humanity to carry that type of weight is, is yeah. something to really explore. But, you know, with, with the sense of what would, you know, I've, I've carried, you know, like those, uh, you know, those, the wood that's used to carry electrical lines, you know, and, and to tie electrical lines to mm -hmm. like, that's, that's heavy, dense wood. And yeah. we're not talking about like, go to home Depot and pick up, you know, this kind of, this kind of uh, a two by four or something like that. Like it, it would have been dense. It would it's have like been carrying a railroad tie. Exactly. Like it, it, it would have been right. immensely heavy. So I'm, I'm curious to find out like, you know, what, what did you find in your uh, research Shield? So in the 1870s, a French scientist, Charles de Flory did a, Kind of comprehensive study on, I would say the the physical aspects of the crucifixion, not what our Lord experienced. Now we did a whole episode on the science of the crucifixion. Uh, we'll put a link right there. It was a great where, show where we talked about what our Lord physically experienced. But this particular science scientist, Charles De Flory, it was more about the the implements of the crucifixion. So he did some scientific testing on what 
amount of wood, what a cross would have to weigh, what a cross would have to be dimensionally shaped like to support a human body, right? So based on his, his research, he came up with that the entire cross would have weighed at least 220 pounds. So that's dragging a big dude on your shoulders. That's, you know, after you've already been beaten and whipped. Now, if he was just carrying the cross beam, he estimated between 75 and 125 pounds. Um, so, I mean, when you're thinking about 220 pounds, um, go carry, go carry 200 pound bag of cement on your shoulder and see how far you make it, let alone after having been starved, sleep yeah. deprived, whipped, beaten, Brown. crowned with thorns. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it really gives sense to why Jesus fell three times. And Jesus yeah. would have been a strong, robust man. He would have been physically fit from walking. He was a worker. He was not, you know, a modern veal sitting in his room watching his computer. I mean, this is a when man. When you think of the about. carpenter's son, like you think of the yeah. carpenter, you know, you yeah, think I, of. I, I, I watched the passion this year. Uh, first time in like years, man. I mean, like since 2002 or three or something like that. And it's kind of interesting. The first time I watched it, you know, I was just overcome with just like, I, I don't know, emotion uh, at, like the, the reality of, of the crucifixion and then like my sins and, and how God uh, forgives me. And this is the act that he did. But the second, the second time I watched it, I really, I didn't, I wasn't emotional. I was more like overwhelmed at how much of a man he was, you know, and how much grief he experienced even for our own sins as he was doing this. Like when he talked to the, the, the women, you know, um, like just the amount of grief that he was able to, to muster through all of this physical pain and, and the suffering that he, uh, endured right for this purpose, you know, mm -hmm. um, just really, really amazing to dwell on, uh, uh, just the, the, I don't know the, not just the sacrifice, but also the, the, um, the suffering that he endured and the, the, yeah, yeah cause I, I can't, I can't, you know, really vibe with artistic expressions of Jesus where he's very frail and very kind of effeminized in, in yeah. many different respects. And, and, you know, that, that's certainly not who Jesus was mm -mm. like the grit that, you know, though he was gentle, though he was merciful, he was yeah. gentle and merciful from, from a great place of strength and grit yeah. and, and power, you know, like when, when he, you know, confronts Roman authority when he confronts, uh, you know, authority within Judaism and, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, like this man is speaking from strength and grit, right? you know, and, and, and hard work, you know, like the, the labors of his adolescence into, you know, manhood, like his public ministry didn't start till he was 30. Yeah. And, you know, he was, he was laboring, you know, as the carpenter's son. And that's why I think, you know, when he's back in Nazareth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. You know, when he's back in Nazareth, who's, who's this guy? This is the, this is the carpenter's son. Like yeah. who is he, you know, it's stepping up and, and, and speaking with this type of authority, sudden, you know? Yeah. All of a sudden he's like the rabbi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, when we, when we, 
there was a there was a priest at uh, in seminary, Father Steve Olds, which I'm I'm sure you remember. Yeah, uh, Father Olds, but Father Olds would say like every analogy limps, you know, and and same thing with like artistic expressions in movies, like all of it's going to limp, all of it's going to just like it'll move us in a direction, but we can't just like stop there. Yeah. And, and you look at the Divine Mercy image when, you know, for me personally, the original Divine Mercy image is definitely one of, you know, ab- absolutely my favorite out of all of them. I'm not a big fan of the later renditions at all, but even St. Faustina looking at that image was like, she was unhappy with it. <laughs> she was totally <laughs> unhappy with it. You know, so it, I think that's important for, you know, meditating on the person of Jesus Christ and and really allowing yourself to to entertain who is the person of Jesus Christ and and how did he suffer and I do I'm inclined to to consider you know if if he had Simon of Cyrene join him in carrying that cross it was a beast you know and Simon felt the weight of it let alone Jesus Christ carrying carrying the heaviest aspect of that of that cross yeah, I think also too, just personally speaking and meditating on this, the strength of our Lord, um, that you know, God willed this strong man, like this this divine uh, person of the Holy Trinity, taking the form of a slave uh, uh, as as a man, and you know, you look at that, and and this world just wants to run away from pain and suffering, even you know, I, and I get it, you, you know, it's a very, you, it's a very uh, I guess, common response, but it's reasonable in some sense. You need that supernatural assistance. But like if if Christ's strength can't give you the courage, you know, to to face your fears, like, I mean, that's that's something that I think will, can assist somebody in that movement from the natural to the supernatural, you know? Yeah, Christ said, you're unworthy of me unless you carry pick up your cross and carry it after me. I mean, yeah. really, I mean, that's... Get dirty. He's calling us. Look, there is a cross to carry in life. What, what your cross can be a lot of things. And Father Rich, I'm sure in your ministry, you've seen so many different forms of crosses that people have carried, yeah. whether it's through physical pain, whether it's through psychological or spiritual damage, whether it's damage inflicted on themselves or by others. I mean, there's a lot of crosses out there being carried by people every day. And you'll be walking past someone in the street and you might not, you'll just see someone walking but you might not know that spiritually they're carrying a 220 pound cross on their back too, following our Lord. So have a little leniency with other people because you don't know what kind of mystical cross is bound to their back. That's right. And it's the privilege of the office. You know, I, I get to sit in the seat of Christ as presider in persona Christi over the sacramental mysteries of the church and to be a steward over his bride, his, his holy bride, the church, and to receive uh, people coming into my office uh, or coming into the church sacramentally and and to visibly and and audibly like perceive people's suffering is is the greatest, most humbling thing that I do. and and what is expressed to me and what's articulated in that sharing experience is more of a crown. like looking at one's suffering that is, actively transforming someone that's bearing the weight of their suffering for the sake of God, for the glory of God, because there's glory within the cross. The cross is worthy of adoration because from it, we experience redemption. From it, we experience the salvation of the world in the cross of Christ. And 
she'll just she'll just mentioned the scriptures from Matthew chapter 16, and it's the conditions of following Christ. This is why as Catholics, we make the sign of the cross prior to every single liturgical action, when we're blessing our food, the way we start our day, the way we conclude our day, you know, it is always by the mystery of the cross. And our lives ought to be conformed to it, right? At the very beginning of our journey in our Christianity, we are baptized and conformed to the mystery of the cross. The priest signs us with the cross on our forehead. Then following after the priest, the parents and godparents sign us with the cross. And as often as we enter into the church, we are renewing our baptism. Every time we dip our fingers into the holy water, making the sign of the cross so that we are appropriating that call to carry our cross. That's the condition. So we have to keep that in mind. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him renounce himself. And how do we renounce ourselves? Take up your cross and follow me. That is the instrument of renouncing ourselves, is the cross. Anyone who wants to save his life will lose it, but anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. And that is the product of renunciation of self, is that we discover why we exist. And when we pair our sufferings with Christ, there is something that is just immensely powerful that comes out of it. And, and we begin to see beyond this life into the next. Yeah. Awesome. Imagine like us talking about the weight of the cross and turning it into this like adoration of our Lord. Yeah. So uncharacteristic. It, it is. <laughs> well, you know, Lenny Bruce, he was a comedian back in the sixties. He said, look, you know, it's always struck him as weird that, Christians would walk around with a cross on their, you know, on their wall or on their body or whatever. He's like, that would be like today, people walking around with a electric chair on a chain, right? Yeah. Um, and, and for most people, I mean, the cross and the Jews and the early Christians, the cross was a sign of, you reviled it, right? It was, it was terrifying. Um, and that gets us into our, our fourth point is, why do Catholics have the body of Christ on a cross when Protestants have just a plain cross with no body or no corpus. Um, that's a very particular thing. And, and a lot of Protestants don't like it. They're like, Oh, you're, you're crucifying Jesus again by having him on a, by having him on the cross. Christ is risen. He's not dead. He's risen. So why do you still show him as dead? Uh, it's actually part of canon law that every Catholic church has to have a crucifix with a corpus on it above the altar. That is because that is Calvary. That is the focus of our worship. And if you look at 1 Corinthians one twenty three, St. Paul says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, right? Mm -hmm. Who worships somebody who was crucified? Who worships someone who was um executed. I mean, that doesn't sound like someone you worship. You worship someone who wins. You worship someone who won the war, won the game, won the battle, whatever it is. And to the people at the time, they're like, this is, you know, the earliest image of Jesus Christ known to mankind is called the Alexa Menos Graffito. And it's a little graffiti written on a Roman wall where two Roman soldiers were picking on another one. And it's a donkey on a cross. And the Roman says, Alexa Menos worships his God. They're like, this is complete folly and madness and foolishness. But Catholics, 
we worship Christ crucified and resurrected. But right there, even that verse right there shows why Catholics had that corpus on the cross, not just a plain cross. Yeah. How many of us worship, you know, athletics and and the victories of our teams or the victories of our favorite players? It's like our whole conversation, our time is absorbed in it. That's why I love uh, Pope Benedict. He helps me to examine examine my conscience all the time when he says, you will know that which you worship for that for which you have time. And it's like when I see my time being absorbed into, into these different athletic moments and, you know, wanting to see the New York Knicks raise the, you know, the trophy and, and they're, they're, you know, victors, you know, again, you know, like, but when you consider these beautiful videos that you see out in, in the World Wide web and a kid who's running and then one of their opponents begins to fail and their muscles begin to fail and they begin to stumble and fall and they fall and hit the ground. And you see, uh, you know, one of these young kids go over and, and pick that child up and carry that child across the the finish line like doesn't that touch your heart isn't that incredible that somebody would be willing to lose for the sake of someone to get them across the finish line and you know it's again it's just an analogy but the fact that that christ died shows an even greater virtue than conquering militaristically the roman authority to to throw down the powers of judaism in his time you know, because of the infractions of their leadership. Like, no, like Jesus does something even more immensely virtuous in reaching out not only to the outcast within Judaism, not only reaching out to uh, the Gentiles, but reaching out to the lepers, <laughs> reaching out to the people who were unclean, reaching out to the woman caught in adultery, reaching out to the woman who has been in five different types of relationships. You know, like that is what is immensely beautiful about Jesus willing to, you know, renounce so much of public acclaim because he could have pursued that and, and been successful, but he was willing to sacrifice himself, renounce himself for the sake of those who were most outcast. Yeah. And it's the compassion of God made manifest in the, the uh, God becoming flesh. It's the compassion of God in the, um, the principalities that are stronger than us that fight us and, and deliver us into sin, you know, which mm -hmm. we pray that God would deliver us from. And, and, and that sin in contrast to the cross is profound yes. because you, you know, you talk about death, right? So Christ dying in the, these, these instances you're talking about is the self giving death, right? It, it, it die, it's it's the yes. guy going into battle. It's the guy going into battle, right? Mm -hmm. Ahead of his soldiers. Yes. Showing the example of literally giving your life, whether you live or die in that particular instance, but it's that self-giving death that is so inspiring to us. And then you see in our society this self selfish killing. Right. Like you see you see the killing of people as the, the selfishness and the juxtaposition of the cross. And, and let us not forget our brothers and sisters being persecuted all around the world, you know, right now. Um, you know, it, it's you're right. It's like William Wallace out in front of the line yelling, yeah. you know, freedom. And then as he's getting killed, he's yelling freedom. Yeah. But there's something else that we yell freedom about. And that's because if you go to CatholicTalkShow.com forward slash hollow, you are going to get the number one Catholic app hollow for free. 
Freedom! So Rich, freedom! Freedom! Father Rich, why don't you tell everybody Ryan. how they could take advantage of this William Wallace-like offer? <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely need to check out Hallow today. Make sure you go through our website, though, so that you can get that free trial. Yeah, I mean, Hallow's great. I, I prayed uh, Lexio Divina before our, our show today, so... I'm a I'm a very happy and proud user. My wife and I have started praying it together. Uh, my daughter and I pray it in the car, you know, when we're driving around. Um, so just a, amazing resources that, that, you know, since I started using it, they've added so much to it. They have the Bible podcast in a year, a lot of beautiful music. It's uh, the rosary. I mean, it's it's just becoming this amazing force for good in our church. Look, there's Father Mike it's Schmitz so on true. there. Father Mike Schmitz, Bible in yeah. a Year. There's yeah. so many, so many beautiful resources from the tradition and history of yeah. Christian prayer and meditation. Make sure you're checking it out. There's something else that's free, okay? And that is what Ave Rosary is doing. Now, Ave Rosary, if you go to AveRosary.com, it's, it's an amazing site that sells and offers some of the most beautiful heirloom quality rosaries, a good quality rosary. I mean, how often in your life have you gotten a rosary and it's just, you know, plastic beads and twine. I mean, it's still aphasious, but when you're praying the rosary, it's something beautiful to reflect the spiritual bouquet that you're giving to Mary. But one of the great things about Ave Rosary is that they have bundles designed to be given as a gift because most of us already have a rosary. Now you might be in the market for a new rosary, but chances are you want to be sharing the rosary with someone else. So they have these great gift bundles, you know, for men or women that you can send a rosary. But the really cool thing about Ave Rosary is that for every rosary you buy, Ave Rosary donates a rosary to be given to people who can't afford one. So it's like buy one, get one. These rosaries go to the CFRs and the CFRs are able to distribute them to, you know, poor people, people who have, have no faith, people who have never had a rosary. So every time you get a rosary, you're getting the spiritual graces of yourself praying the rosary, but you're also able to... Um, share the rosary with someone else. I mean, that's, that's a really, really awesome concept. So go to averosary.com, check out the different kinds of rosaries they have, their rosary bundles, men's, women's rosaries, and all the accessories. And for, for you guys out there, I have the, uh, the Man of God rosary bundle, and it's a paracord, which I just absolutely love. So if you are in the market for a new rosary, it's certainly one of the nicest rosaries that I have currently that I'm using, which is, is really cool. It's awesome. All right. So thank you again to our sponsors. Now, the fifth and final item that we wanted to talk about of things you didn't know about the cross is that every time you pass by or see a cross, there is a prayer you should say. And also by saying this prayer, Catholics who are in the right state are able to also gain an indulgence. Father Rich, would you share and pray that prayer for everyone? Absolutely. Let's begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Look down upon me, good and gentle Jesus, while before your face I humbly kneel and with burning soul pray and beseech you to fix deep in my heart lively sentiments of faith, hope, and charity, true contrition for my sins, and a firm purpose of amendment. While I contemplate with great love and tender pity your five most precious wounds, pondering over them within me and calling to mind the words which David, your prophet, said to you, my Jesus. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They have numbered all of my bones. Amen. Amen. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, and that's called the prayer before a crucifix. Um, really powerful prayer. And and again, you know, we can have a crucifix in our house, and, and we walk past, and it just becomes another thing on the wall. And we, and we forget the reverence that is due to the bridge to heaven, to the implement that our salvation was won on. Um, traditionally, people would say this after receiving communion during Mass or after Mass had ended, and there's actually an indulgence attached to it. So if, if you go to Mass and you are you satisfy the, the requirements of receiving an indulgence, right, um, and you say that prayer before crucifix after receiving communion, you get a partial indulgence. If you say it on a Friday's a Friday during Lent, you get a plenary or a full indulgence. So number one, it's an amazing opportunity to receive that indulgence and that mercy from the treasury of graces, but it's also right and just for us to give homage and, and exalt the cross and lift the cross up high. And you know, when we think about the triumph of the cross and why the cross is worthy of adoration, upon it, Christ has died for us and he accomplishes many things. He accomplishes our salvation. He accomplishes us and encourages us to overcome our fear of death. And when we, when we truly reverence the cross, we realize that I am unafraid to carry my own cross and follow Christ. And Christ is reproving us and strengthening us and calling us to a certain level of grit to be able to follow after him with the capacity that he has given us to embrace our human suffering. I want to share with you the words of St. Jose Maria Escriva when he said, it is important to realize the corpus of Christ on the cross and to realize he who won salvation for us. But when you see a cross without Christ, it is to remind you that you too have a cross to bear. So my brothers and sisters, be not afraid to take up your cross and follow the Savior. And when we reflect on what he accomplished on that cross, he has provided from, from that cross the gift of his Holy Spirit and the very sacramental life of the church that gives us that strength. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and know of our prayers. And please continue to pray for us as we build that solidarity of faith as we carry the cross together toward the kingdom of heaven. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.